Savior is gauged with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his court with his praise. I will say this a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I will enter his courts with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his court with praise. I will say this the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I will then his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his court with his praise. I will say this the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. You guys can have a seat. <laughs> Got to tell Jonathan. <laughs> See, computer's misbehaving again. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare among the peoples his deeds. For he who requires blood remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. You who lift me up from the gates of death that I may tell of all your praises, that in the gates of the, of the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk down in the pit which they have made, in the net which they hid, their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known, he has executed judgment, in the work of his own hands the wicked is snared. The wicked will return to Sheol, even all the nations who forget God. For the needy will not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the afflicted perish forever. Arise, O Lord, do not let man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord, and let the nations know that they are but men. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning because you are there, and we are your children. And you have guided, and you still protect, and you preserve us each and every day. Lord, strengthen us, that as we walk, we would walk faithfully. That as we see this world, we would see it rightly, lost, 
And we would proclaim your mercy, knowing that you and you alone are the Savior, that you have judged, but you have also redeemed. Lord, let us proclaim the great gospel that saves and changes the hearts and minds of men, that your light would shine and your kingdom built. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. There is a Redeemer, Jesus God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, oh, holy and holy one. Jesus, my Redeemer, name above all names, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, oh, sinner slain. Thank you, oh, my Thus your son and leaving us your spirit till you work on earth is done. When I stand in glory, I will see his face. And there I'll serve my King forever in that holy place. Thank you, oh my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving us your spirit till the work on earth is done. There is a Redeemer, Jesus God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. Thank you, oh my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving us on earth is done and leaving us your spirit till your work on earth is done <sighs> you know that moment when something that's not funny just strikes you as funny and you can't stop giggling about it yeah, I'm going to be doing that again in a minute because I just did it a second ago. Um, just a couple of things. I don't have much on the list. Just reminders. The <coughs> excuse me, Pregnancy Care Center 
list is still out there. So if you want to get stuff, the end of this month, probably next couple of weeks, we'll be taking that. So if you're going to do your shopping, you are running out of time. So and thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who has brought stuff. Uh, update, they were going to try it again this week, but Sam and Shelby. <laughs> Shelby called me last night. She goes, we were planning on it, and Sam is just sitting here going, I don't think so. <laughs> it's like he has energy for a little bit in the morning, and then it, as the day goes, it's just, you know, the nosedive. So... She goes, he's 84. I tell him it's okay. I said, if you're not allowed to be tired in the evenings when you're 84, when are you? Because this is the double whammy they both got is she can't really do the driving either because of all her problems. So he's got to be able to get up, get ready, drive here, be here for church, and then drive home safely. And right now he thinks he's to about the point where he thinks he could get here. <laughs> and then that would be the end. And so until he's sure he can get home, then that's just, you know, not a, that's a non-starter. So I told him I would let him know, and we'd keep praying and, and keep going from there. So I let you know. Therefore, you know what you have to now do. Get to keep praying, okay? All right. Um, That was all I had. Is there something else I'm forgetting? It feels like there was something else that should have been written down, but I, for the life of me, can't think of what it is. Uh-oh. I know. We, we're having a... Last week, um, Jesusa fell, and they think she's broken something. And so just sitting down was painful, and she was trying to tough it out for the service. And so basically, as soon as the service was over, it was out the door. <laughs> I think that was just for you, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan told me the game was at two, and I'm like, we could take that long. <laughs> So the only downside to these games is it sounds like the snow is going to be done before they start, and that's the best part. I See, I'm like, that's the best football is when you can barely see what's going on and they have no idea what they're doing and it's hysterical to watch. That's the best, and we're going to just miss it today. So, oh, well. Um, there was something else, but I can't for the life of me remember what it is. But, yeah, we are basically having a snow day today. So do yourself a favor. Do me a favor. Look around, and somebody you would normally see if you don't see them no, that's what you do. Give them a call, check in on them, see how they're doing, you know, like loving Christians, not condemning ones. <laughs> well, you know what? I guess you could just think of this as the gospel. The bad news must precede the good news. So Jonathan sends the empty picture as a reminder of your condemnation. And then the rest of us can be loving. And we look even more loving in the darkness that Jonathan has spread first. <laughs> so... Yeah, as, as you see, a couple folks just being reminded. Uh, like I said, we're there. You go. We uh, we are having a snow day today, so please be careful. If you're like me, I got to drive behind a snow plow that was, for reasons that I will never understand, plowing the middle of the road. I mean, he was his tie. He was I, he was in my lane, going in my direction, but his tires were completely over the yellow line as he was plowing. And every time a car was coming the other way, he would have to slow down, get over, and then after they passed, he would go get back in the middle of the road. So he's doing it on purpose, but I can't for the life of me figure out what the benefit of making everybody drive in the middle is. No, he wasn't. Yeah, it's like, that's a good idea on a slick road is make us all drive closer together. Leave the middle unplowed so we stay away from it and avoid each other. But nah, I guess that made too much sense. So what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, all right. Question of the day. This is the one you get to say out loud. So. What sexual sin did Paul encounter in the Corinthian church? You notice I put the parentheses there, a man living with his father's wife. Yeah, that's to know in the biblical sense, which should be a good lesson because if you ever think your culture is really depraved, 
and you think it's really bad, yeah, there's nothing new under the sun. People are people. People are broken, which really also should give you a picture into how good the gospel is and how much power it holds because the same church where you've got a guy thinking it's a good idea to date his stepmom, which is a terrible thing to say out loud, is the same church that Paul told, such were some of you, but you were washed and you were cleaned. So the gospel of grace is powerful and it overcomes quite a bit. All right, here's my giggle moment because I didn't realize how silly this sounded until I read it again. Don't say the answer to this one out loud. Who said, so this is a quote, you got to find the person. Find me a woman who is a medium so that I may go and inquire of her. It has nothing to do with her clothing size. <laughs> I, I read that, I'm going, what? that's a terrible way to rephrase this. Find me a woman who is a medium. <laughs> So, who said that? Don't say it out loud again. Reason for the question. When they say medium, they're talking about, like, you know, the tarot card fortune teller lady, not not foot size rack she shops off at Walmart. Uh-oh. Did I really? I'm sorry. Did I leave? Yeah, that wouldn't. <laughs> so, it's easy to find, though, right? See, it's simple. I mean, I gave you a bunch of hints, but again... The, the reason for the question is the important part. Actually learn some little background. Well, the and, was at least the and there? That made it a little bit better. Okay, that was me. That's how you knew there was a word missing. Yeah, see what happens when you try to type quickly? That's what happens. You mess things up. All right, anything else? Going once, going twice. I will stop talking so we can continue on with our service. On a hill far away Stood an old rugged cross The emblem of suffering and shame And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rocket cross. Kill my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. All that old so despised by the world as a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above 
all I've taken from you. Maybe, Lord, I can show someone else what I've been through myself on my way back to you. My kid in the back who doesn't realize we can all hear him. <laughs> yes, we're back to Exodus. That is correct. <laughs> and uh, as a warning, you better you better enjoy it because we're going to be here a while. <laughs> I think we are here until Easter. Well, at least until like three. Until about, you know, about midway through the second quarter, you know, give or take. <laughs> At least Bill said over here, because otherwise Clark was messing up the whole flow of the room. Like it's like it's all skewed to one side. If I don't look at you, Clark, don't be offended. <laughs> Just everybody's right here. At least Bill's right there. Kind of draws my eye in that direction. Makes my life a little bit easier. Now, just to make sure we uh, we remember where we were when last we left our intrepid deliverers, they uh, Pharaoh had kicked them out. They were on their way out as God has delivered judgment, and they are in the process of leaving Egypt. So now what? That's why the book doesn't end after the 10th plague. The now what is the rest of this book? And believe it or not, it's where a lot of the really good teaching and theology is and some of the best examples of terrible living, which we can learn from, which is actually good news. So Exodus chapter 12, 33 through 51. We'll finally finish this chapter. 
the Egyptians urged the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we will all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened with their kneading bowls bound up in the clothes on their shoulders. Now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, for they had requested from the Egyptians articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have their request. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Now the sons of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot aside from children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, along with flocks and herds, a very large number of livestock. They baked the dough which they had brought out of Egypt into cakes of unleavened bread, for it had not become leavened since they were driven out of Egypt and could not delay, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Now the time that the sons of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. And at the end of 430 years, to the very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be observed for the Lord for having brought them out from the land of Egypt. This night is for the Lord to be observed by all the sons of Israel throughout their generations. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner is to eat of it, but every man's slave purchased with money after you have circumcised him, he may eat of it. A sojourner or a hired servant shall not eat of it. It is to be eaten in a single house. You are not to bring forth any of the flesh outside of the house, nor are you to break any bone of it. All the congregation of Israel are to celebrate this. But if a stranger sojourns, sojourns with you and celebrates the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near to celebrate it, and he shall be like a native of the land. But no uncircumcised person may eat of it. The same law shall apply to the native as to the stranger who sojourns among you. Then all the sons of Israel did so. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on the same day, the Lord brought the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. <gasps> I just realized I messed that up and forgot to black that screen out. So if you can make that a little bit easier and help them out, I'm sure they'd appreciate that. Do you remember how to clear that? <laughs> If you go back to that first slide, go back to verse 33 and right-click, and then as you right-click on it, there'll be somewhere in the add queue, and when you hover over add queue, hover until the right until it says clear all, and you click on clear all, and then click on the slide again. <laughs> there it is! See, because otherwise looking at that book background actually makes my eyes hurt after a while, and since it's right there and I can't not see it, I figured if it annoys me, it probably annoys you, so I usually try to fix it. That makes it a little easier to read for this, so... All right, the Egyptians urged the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we will all be dead. Hey, somebody's paying attention, aren't they? But they continue. So the people took their dough before it was leavened with their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Now, you have to deal with this because this is not just the Israelites, because the Israelites were already told not to leaven their bread, right? So who's sending out the bread before it was leavened? This is some of the Egyptians sending out provisions for the people of God. Why? divine action. God is caring for his people even in the details. Exodus 12, go back a couple of verses. This day will be a memorial to you. You shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, but on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. Whoever eats anything leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from the land of Israel. The Egyptians are giving gifts, providing for God's people. Who made sure that they provided the bread before it had the yeast stuck in it? God does. Why? Proverbs 16. The mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. 
big ex- big lesson of the book of Exodus. Yahweh is God everywhere of all the people. Whether they acknowledge it or not, he is still in charge, still accomplishing his plans and his purposes, which, by the way, Christian, if that's not a comfort to you in this world, I don't know what is. That no matter what befalls us, no matter who wins what election, who makes what law, who wins dog catcher in what county, God is still upon his throne. He is still accomplishing his plans. His kingdom is still good. His planning is still righteous, and he will bring it gloriously to pass. If we cannot rest there, we have drifted too far in the wrong direction and are planted in the world. we got to get ourselves back on the proper anchor. So, they continue. Now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, for they had requested from the Egyptians article of silver and articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have their request. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. According to whose promise? Remember, we have known this was coming. Go all the way back to chapter 3. I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that he will let you go. And I will grant this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor and the woman who lives in her house of articles of silver and articles of clothing, of gold and clothing. You will put them on your sons and your daughters, thus you will plunder the Egyptians. Again, proving what? We mentioned this a couple weeks ago when we talked about this, John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, why? So that they may have life and have it how? More abundantly or abundantly. This is, again, a place where your Bible comes up against the words of the world. The lies of the world are beautifully described in Fleetwood Mac theology. Hmm. See, I always like doing the pop culture because you start thinking, lies, tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. See, I'm, I, I can't sing like Stevie Nicks, and that's probably a good thing because I don't know what that would say about me, but, or maybe what that would say about Stevie Nicks. But anyway, what is the world about? Lying. Stealing, cheating, never forget. The darkness doesn't stand there and go, we're the darkness, you can't win. They go, no, 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 we're, we're kind of like the light. We're just a different, a different little shade. We're just a different little tinting of everything. It, it's okay. Remember, what's the original lie? Did God really say? I mean, and if you'll notice, what was the subtle twist? Did God say not to eat from it? any tree no just don't eat from that one but see if i get you down that road i get you leaning that little way that's why that's why i called it oh oh, i'm about to take up my own podium that's why we called it drifting into the world because how do you do it every time yes most christians most faithful christians because here we go here's here's the here's the lesson we we know and we have to just say out loud all faithful christians are at some point going to realize that they are in a sin of some kind right We, we know this do faithful Christians would go like, there it is, that's my sin. Ha! No. Sorry, you get that. Go ahead and giggle. It's okay. Get that one out of your system. <laughs> it's going to be one of those days. See what happens on a snow day? I had a theory on this years ago. We actually looked this up because we had a dog that did not function when it snowed. Like we would put her out in the yard, and for the most time, the dog would patrol the perimeter and bark at the neighbors, and just she was fine snowing you put her outside and she would just run back and forth like this and she would dive into the snow and shake and run the other way and would do this for hours 
And so we finally looked it up, and it turns out there's actually an atmospheric condition. When it snows, it actually changes the oxygen saturation of the air, and some dogs can be affected by that. They really don't have enough oxygen to function, and so the dog is just, like, lost its mind. I'm starting to think that happens to me. <laughs> so <laughs> Clark's agreeing. Yep, I believe I'd buy that one. That explains everything right there. So that means the elevator stopped about here today. You have been warned. <laughs> so, no. Do we just dive headlong into sin? No, that's what separates the faithful Christian from the pretender. The faithful Christian ends up doing what half the time? We're walking along thinking we're doing good, and all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute. How did I get here? And, how, and more importantly, how do I get out of here? It's, it's a drifting. It's a changing. And this is what the world does. And the best example of this is in the lie that it convinces itself and tries to convince us. Because what's, what's the lie about Christianity? It's no fun. Look at all the awesome things the world has to provide. You're going to miss out on all these things. I mean, we were so terrified of this. I say we, I mean as a culture, that we actually created an abbreviation for it, right? We, we actually created FOMO, fear of missing out. It was actually trending on Facebook and Twitter years ago. It was, it's pathetic. It's my job to know these things. If you don't know these things, you are better off. Congratulations. They actually did. We, uh, we created this in another motto. You only live once. This, is, this was rap songs and pop music. You got a YOLO. You only live once. See, I, gotta, I can't miss out on anything. I have to indulge in all of the world. See, it takes a little idea. You want to you rejoice. And by the way, this is a biblical idea. You want to enjoy the things God has provided. You want to be at peace. You want to be at rest. You want to be secure in life. These are good things. But the world takes that good desire and just twists it a little bit to get you to go after it how? according to their sinful standards, according to their lies. See, it's not that we have lost anything when we turn from the world. It's that we have gained Christ. We have gained the better thing. That's why Paul talks about everything he's been given, but how does he count it? I count all things as loss for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. Everything that this world can give me, you can have it. Why? I have God. What can you give me? What can you provide that is better than having God? And this is, again, why our walk is in that direction. We are walking faithfully in this world, knowing that our final destination is God and his righteousness. So, let's continue. 37. The sons of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, aside from children. That's a pile of people, isn't it? So some estimates, you're talking between one and two million people. Now, how in the world did 70 people going down to Egypt with Joseph and uh, Jacob turn into this crowd? Well, for starters, God has been good and blessed them and multiplied them. Secondly, they are not alone. This is one of those things we've been building to for, for months, really. So verse 38. A mixed multitude also went up with them, along with flocks and herds and a very large number of livestock. All right, what do we mean by a mixed multitude? 38, 38! <laughs> Computer's misbehaving again. What's a mixed multitude? We mean Israelites, and if you're not an Israelite, you are a... Well, no, you don't have to be an Israelite. There's two categories here. There's Israelites and... Non-Israelites. Majority of them are probably Egyptian, but they could be something else. Why? Have we seen any hints of this before? And the answer is yes, yes, we have. Exodus chapter 9. 
one of the uh, warnings to Pharaoh. Behold, about this time tomorrow, I will send a very heavy hail, such as has not been seen in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Therefore, send, bring your livestock and whatever you have in the field to safety. Remember, they were given a warning. Every man and beast that is found in the field and it is not brought home, when the hail comes down on them, they will die. The one Now, the one among the servants of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord made his servants and his livestock flee into the houses. But he who paid no regard to the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. So we have a multitude going with. We've seen part of this with the hailstorm. Moses shows them and says, hey, tomorrow something bad's going to happen. About plague six or seven, you think it starts sinking in, right? You know, maybe, maybe we ought to listen to this guy. And, and when he says hail is coming and we should get out of the way, you know what we should probably do? Get out of the way. Yeah, this would be a good idea. This would be wisdom. What's the beginning of wisdom? <laughs> fear of the Lord. Those who feared the word of the Lord and the warnings. Now, <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, question. So did these people put the blood in their doorpost? Maybe. Did they go hide in Goshen? Because, I mean, when you're standing in darkness and there's light in Goshen, maybe there's something clicks in the back of your brain like, you know, work with me here. But maybe what we should do is get out of here and get to where God isn't killing people. Good plan, right? So maybe they didn't put the door on their, board, the, the door on their blood post. I don't know. Told you it's going to be one of those days. Not enough oxygen in the air. Maybe they didn't put the blood on their, door, on their doorpost because they're hiding with the Israelites. That's why you can take a lamb and deal with it in your household because I got neighbors and friends staying with me who are sitting there going, why are you here? Because God's killing people over there and he's not killing people over here. And you know where I want to be? I want to be where God's not killing people. So we're going to hang out. Got another one for you. Um, maybe these are people that lost children. That might wake you up real quick, isn't it? They warned us, and they warned us, and they warned us, and I didn't listen, and all of a sudden I woke up, and my kid was dead. Because I didn't do what? Because I didn't listen. You know what I'm going to start doing now? I'm going to start listening. Remember, when we talk about the quote-unquote evils of this world, we're talking about the working in the judgments of God. God is working with a multitude of people in different ways. For the Christian, he is warning he is purifying and he is refining. For the unbeliever, he may be judging like he is with Pharaoh, but he also may be warning. I mean, we've talked about this. How many times have we talk about people in addiction? When do they want to get better? Yeah, and when does that usually happen? Yeah, it's why we call it rock bottom. As long as there's another bad I can get to, I think it could get worse and I'm okay. Typically, people realize there's a problem when there's nothing left to take from them. You're seeing that in action. This is one of the other reasons why when people say, well, this is the judgment of God, I always say, maybe, maybe it is. And you don't know if maybe the judgment of God is the means by which a mixed multitude is saved, means by which those that are in darkness find the light, a means by which our light shines even brighter, the means by which his kingdom is grown and advancing. This is why, again, the call to the Christian living in a sinful and broken world is to live faithfully, to walk trusting God, building his kingdom and not the things of this world. Why we avoid drifting, why we anchor upon Christ, because if we don't, we forsake all of that and we, we lose it. We lose the opportunity to participate. We lose the witness. We lose all of this. So this is how it works. Now, 
just in case you think that there's a mixed multitude and everything is good with them and that there's a problem, always remember that people are people, no matter where they are, no matter when they are. And a good reminder of human nature is, if there's a group of people, like, I guess you could make an excuse for the Israelites. You know, they were chosen of God. They, they were just plucked out and set free. So, you know, maybe when they get to the wilderness and they start complaining, you can kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. Like, you know... They, they didn't sign up for this, so to speak. God kind of grabbed them and drug them out. Who did sign up for this? Mixed multitude signed up with this, right? They saw it. They were not Israel. They were like, we want to be Israel. We see what judgment looks like. And had greedy desires. And also, the sons of Israel wept again. So notice that's two groups. And they What would be the look on your face? <laughs> I mean, would you just be like, eh, seen it? <laughs> Again, when the Christian says, I just wish that God would dot, 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 dot. Or I wish that I had seen dot, 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 dot. Like, I wish I had seen Peter walk on the water. I wish I had seen Jesus calm the storm. I wish I...
deep stuff Abraham. The whole terror and great darkness fell upon and God said to Abram, No first descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed four hundred years. But I will judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with, my, with many possessions. As for you, you shall live, go to your fathers in peace, and you will be buried at a good old age. Then, in the fourth generation, they will return here. Why? For the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. Four hundred plus years. Why? Because God was not yet prepared to judge the Amorites, the Canaanite, the Jebusite, the Perizzites, whatever else was living in the land. Will he judge their sin? Yes. When will he judge their sin? When, when it is time. Sometimes it feels like when he feels like it, when he's darn good and ready. No, when it is the right time. Which again, theme of the morning, Christian, this should be a comfort to you. Because what's one of the concerns? That's why I read the psalm that I've read the last two weeks, Psalm 9. It's a reminder. God judges. God conquers. And while we long for that some days, you know what we should long for more? Patience. Mercy. One of the great lessons was somebody looked at me one day and goes, well, how long was God patient with you before he saved you? And I'm like, ow! Dude, take the knife out of my back or warn me before you're going to stab me with it. Like, I, I need some preparation for this. Because the minute he asked that question, I was like, I remembered how much of a wicked, evil, sinful little cuss I was and how long I was like that. And dang nabbit, now i got to be gracious and patient. You know who doesn't want to do those two things? Because when I see their sin, you know what I want? I want some smiting. <laughs> we need more smiting, which is, again, a reason 842 why I'm not God, and we should all be thankful for that. I am. You should be too. Because, again, why? If you can be patient with me, what's the demonstration? And if, I was, and if there were people praying for his patience on me, then what's the command that I should be dealing with? Praying for the patience for them. This is, again, the reason I point this out, I know you know this, and I know you get this, but at the same token, there's a difference, use a terrible 90s movie reference, there's a difference between listening to Jimmy and hearing Jimmy. <laughs> if you've never seen White Men Can't Jump, don't watch that movie, you will be a better person for it. Because it's a joke, you can, you can listen to the music, but you don't, experience it. You don't feel it. If you want a great example of this, remember your depressed stages in middle school and high school. Laugh at yourself sometime and go listen to the music you listen to. You'll enjoy the songs, but they don't mean the same thing, do they? Because you're not in that place. You're not in that mindset. That's what we're talking about. I can know these things about God, but do I internalize them? Do they, do they define me? Do I walk in them as the air that I breathe, the food that I eat, and the water that I drink? Because if they don't, you know what I just found? I just found the next area of my life that I get to work on in my sanctification. How to internalize my mindset towards the world. It's not just towards my neighbor that I like. It's not just towards my spouse whom I love. It's towards that fool over there that I can't tolerate any longer. See, I just found the person I need to change my attitude towards. And that starts with how I view the world at large, which starts with how I view myself in the world. Where am I going? Why am I going there? And how am I going to get there? Answer those questions. You know what you just discovered? How to make disciples. How to explain to them where they should be going. How they can get there. And how they can get on the right road. And now I have a light that shines. See, I, I knew somebody would sing it if I did the little dance, see? <laughs> so, verse 41. 
we're going to go from a good high uh, concept to some little more nuts and bolts. At the end of 430 years to the very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. So since God repeated himself, I won't make the same point twice. I'll make a different point because I have that kind of brain power, apparently. This would put us somewhere in the 1490s BC. So 35-ish, 3,500-ish years ago. Now, here's the fun part about that. If you go read a world history book or watch the History Channel, even though I've warned you about their theology a million times, you're still going to do it. I know you're going to do it. You know why? Because I'm going to do it. (laughs) Because there's still a part of me that's a glutton for punishment, apparently. If you go down that road and you watch, they will tell you that what I just said is wrong. That the Exodus is not 1490s, it is 1250s. The problem with that is none of the evidence lines up with that. And therefore, if none of the evidence lines up with that, you know what I don't believe? I don't believe that. The other thing is, if you actually line up here, you're following in with the timeline that the Bible has laid out. They keep picking that, and I don't know why. Now, I don't care what they say, because you know what they don't start with? They don't start with God and his word to us. They start with their ideas and their philosophies, and they build out. So when they say 1250, I say, no, 1490s-ish. Some people are really specific. I'll get to that in a second. But the reason why I I make this point, the reason why I want to explain this is because worldview matters. This is something we talk about in Sunday school. It's something we talk about on Wednesdays. This is how you view this place, which, again, kind of our theme of the morning is how we see this. If our starting point is that God has spoken, and by the way, Christian, your starting point is that God has spoken. 2 Peter 1. Know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. So how was it made? Men, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. When we read and study our Bible, we are not reading the musings and writings of dead men. We are reading the words that they wrote that God has placed upon their minds and upon their hearts. We are reading the inspired Word of God. So if our stance is that God has spoken, and it is, what would be an outlier of that? If it comes from God, should I be able to trust it? Yes, which means our second stance is God has spoken, and I can trust what he has said. John 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth truth. What is truth again? The word of God. So if I'm going to be sanctified in the truth, I'm going to be sanctified in the word of God. This is why you are grounded and built up on the teachings about Christ. How do you learn anything about the teachings of Christ? You put it in a book that you have to read and learn, which again, I've said a thousand times, Christianity is a thinking religion. You don't just climb up, get in the water, get out, and then, you know, the light from heaven comes down and, oh, and I have all knowledge. No, you actually have to do some work. That's why I say 1490s, because if we believe these two things, we should be able to put some information together and confidently declare to the world what is right and true. So we should have the the confidence of Usher. And I said, yeah. No, 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 not that Usher. (laughs) Becca's like, no, no. Two S's, Bishop James Usher writing... Annals of the World, published in 1658. No computers, no calculators, 
a dude with his Bible and his brain thinking through and trusting the work of God. And this is what he wrote. On the 15th, uh, this is part of his laying out the timeline of Exodus. On the 15th day of the first month, Tuesday, May 5th, 1491 BC, at midnight, the firstborn of all Egypt were killed. <laughs> dude didn't just guess. Dude was like, Tuesday, May 5th, 1491 BC. <laughs> I'm like, 1490s. Bishop Usher was going, Tuesday. <laughs> I can look at my calendar, I can do the math, and I can go, I, I have the book, it's like this big, it's on my shelf, it's, it's kind of hysterical, because he does, he does this for the prophecies given to Abraham, he lays them out, counts them up, and like literally puts days on them. Why? Because when the world looks at you and says, the Bible's not trustworthy, you know what you should immediately say? How do you know that? How do you know that? Because isn't that the challenge they always give us? First rule of logic, you have to prove something. You have to make a case that's consistent. The Bible's not trustworthy. You can't believe it. Why not? Well, it's, got, it's full of inconsistencies. Like what? None of these people actually lived. Okay, prove it. Because I have evidence that they did. We wrote about them. They were there. And this is why I love archaeology. Because, you know, every time they dig in the ground, you know what they prove? <laughs> I mean, they did this for years because up until about up until about 70, 80 years ago, I might have my timeline a little off. I might be confusing it. So up until recently, we'll go with that. Like, like my father-in-law will tell you the other day, and when my father-in-law says something happened the other day, that is anywhere between yesterday and 1963. Just that's, that's about the range, give or take. So until recently, do you know how many books of the world wrote about Hittites? One. Guess which one? Bible. So you know what modern scholars said? Hittites don't exist. They're not real. How do I know that there's no Hittites? Because there's no evidence of them anywhere, except there's evidence in the Bible. Well, you know, they kept digging. They kept digging, and you know what they found? Oh, snap. There's Hittites. <laughs> there's a kingdom, and books, and scrolls, and chronologies, and they're mentioned in other places. Like, Hittites are actually a thing. Oops. So they immediately went, see, the Bible's right. No, they went, no, no, it was just right about that. Exactly. You know, exactly. Quirinius talked about Luke, and everybody went, well, he was wrong, because Quirinius wasn't governor in Syria during the census, and everybody went, yeah, he was. He was governor in Syria because he was the military commander during an armed conflict when the city was under martial law. If we're under martial law and we're having a battle, who's in charge here? The guy who's in charge of the army. So who was in charge of the army? Quirinius was. So Luke was right. So the guy immediately went, well, the Bible's true, obviously. No, they went, it was only right about that. <laughs> and as you go, everything, every time they dig into the ground, they find something else. That's why I'm like, keep digging. Keep digging. Dig some more. Put holes in every place you find until you finally give this up. Ask the question. It's not true. How do you know that? It can't be real. How do you know that? Do you know why we ask that question? Because now we're picking what we call a worldview fight. I'm not arguing with you up here. I want to argue with you down here on the ground because I have a firm foundation upon which I stand. You have shifting sand. You know what I want to do? I want to dig. Because every time you try to dig over here, you know what you're going to hit? 
bedrock, and you're going to break that shovel, and I'm going to be good. You know what's going to happen every time I dig? I'm going to keep watching you sink. And eventually, we're going to get to a place where you have to admit that what you're, saying, what you're standing on is useless. If you don't do that, again, who am I? Where am I going? Why am I going that way, and how did I get on this path? Those are foundational, fundamental questions. People go, I don't know how to evangelize. There you go. Who are you? Where are you going? Why are you going that way? And how did you get on that path? You just explained the gospel. You just told them how they're going the wrong way and why they're going that way and how they need to change direction. These are the basic conversations. You want to build up children? This is how you teach them. You want to argue with your neighbors? This is how you fight with them. You want, to, you want to have a knockdown drag out with your family Thanksgiving? Get down to baseline things. At least if you're going to argue with people, you'll do it about something that matters and not about stuff that we don't agree on. But we can actually get down to base issues and figure out who we are and why we stand there. Told you we'd have a second point, didn't I? Look at that. Huh. 42. It is a night to be observed for the Lord for having brought them out of the land of Egypt. This night is for the Lord to be observed by all the sons of Israel throughout their generations. Remember, what are good holidays supposed to point you back to? Holidays are remembrances, so good holidays are reminders of good things. This is one. Ecclesiastes 12 gives you this punchline. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, when you will say, I have no delight in them. This is why you have encouragement in Scripture to read your Bible, to pray, to fellowship with one another. Because when left to your own devices, what do we all start doing? We all start drifting. Why give them this? Because every year they were supposed to get together and do what? Hey, Dad, why are we having these little cracker things? And why are we eating like we're dressed to go somewhere? And why are we doing it at this particular time? I mean, this would be unusual, right? You don't, you don't do things like this. Why? Look, when your kids used to look at you and go, why do I have to get dressed up to go have Christmas dinner at Grandma's? Because it's Christmas dinner. It's the one time a year you're going to look nice. Now get in the car and shut up. <laughs> why do I have to dress like we're leaving to sit at home and eat dinner? Well, because this is the meal that celebrates God taking us out of Egypt. Well, why don't we put any yeast in the bread? Because yeast is a reminder of the sin that God has redeemed us from. Why do I have to follow all of these rituals and rules when I have it? Because these are the things that it's pointing to. It's a good reminder of the good things. Christian, you need this. This is why we gather. This is why we read. This is why we pray. This is why we celebrate. Because it's reminders of the good things God has done. Because otherwise, the lie of the world will tell you what? There are no good things. The only good things are where? Here. With us. And suddenly you're the little kids in The Shining. Come play with us. Come play with us. See, it was creepy. <laughs> we, I told you it was going to be one of those days. Here's the fun part, though. You watch that movie, and you see that scene, and you go, that's creepy. Why would anybody do that? And yet, what do we do in the world every single day? <laughs> yeah, we, we follow the creepy. We follow the creepy children, right? There you go. If you've learned nothing else, don't follow the creepy children. <laughs> There's life lessons with Michael, right? So this continues, 43. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner is to eat of it. All right, now wait a minute. Didn't we just cover that there's like a pile of foreigners? And didn't God just make sure that they got their bread out without it being leavened? So why can't they eat of it? Romans 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? 
It's not a change of, hey, this is not, I'm getting out of Egypt before my kid is killed. I'm getting out of Egypt before you ruin any more of my crops. I'm getting out of Egypt while I still have some livestock. This is, I'm getting out of Egypt because I'm going to the place that God has promised. You see the difference between those two statements? One is running away from something. One is running towards something. How do we know that these people are running towards something? God makes sure of it. Verse 44. Every man's slave purchased with money after you, after you have circumcised him, then he may eat of it. A sojourner or a hired servant shall not eat of it. Notice the distinction. If you're here, you're of the people. Be circumcised and eat the meal. If you're traveling through... Travel on through. Don't eat the meal. You can sit and watch us eat the meal, but you're traveling through. If you'd like a modern example of this, do we lock the door on Sunday morning? Why not? Why don't we lock the door? Once church starts, everybody's here. Why don't we go lock the door? Because somebody might come in, right? (laughs) Stranger things have happened. Somebody might come in. They might hear the teaching on how to be a disciple. They might learn how to walk faithfully. They might do what? They might start walking with us. Now, do we do church on the off chance that that will happen? No. We do church for who? To strengthen and encourage believers. In other words, we eat the Passover to remind ourselves of the good things God has done. If you're just traveling through, you can watch, but you know what you can't do? You can't partake because this is not for you. If you're just traveling through, listen and then move along. But if you're walking, then plug in, be a part, do these things. That's the distinction that we make. That's why we don't lock the door. We don't kick you out, but we don't do it for you. It's the same idea. Now, circumcision, reminder, Genesis 17. God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. Okay. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Now, first of all, ow. Second of all, why? Why? Outward symbol of an inward reality. By the way, we do the same thing still, right? Does the water actually do anything for you? Does Does it wash anything away? No, it's an outward symbol of an inward reality. You know who understood that lesson? Moses. You know how I know that? Because he gave a speech before he died and before the Israelites entered the promised land. It's called Deuteronomy. Here's chapter 10. Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? To fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Gee, we don't hear anything like that in the New Testament, right? Exactly. To keep the Lord's commandments and its statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Yet on your fathers did the Lord set his affection to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, even you above all peoples as it is this day. Therefore, circumcise your heart. Stiffen your neck no longer, for the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. Moses had the chance, right? Here's the one thing you should do. Change your heart. Why? Because if I change my heart, 
I change what I feel. I change what I want. When I change what I want, I think in accordance with what I want. When I think in accordance with what I want, I then act in accordance with how I am thinking. This is why the sojourner can't eat the meal. He's not here. He's thinking about 1,700 other things. He's not thinking about God. That's why when we gather, we're supposed to be thinking about what? God. It's the thing that we want. It's the thing that we desire. It's the thing that, divide, that, that drives us and sets us out. That's why they can't eat. This is why the foreigner can't eat it. Because if you're a foreigner, you're the sojourner. You're traveling through. If you're following, it's because you are following. And that's why God continues. It is to be eaten in a single house, and, not, and you are not to bring forth any of the flesh outside of the house, nor are you to break any bone of it. All right, this is almost an aside. Why not again? Because what's this lamb supposed to be? Psalm 34. I got an Old Testament and a New Testament for you. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, and not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked. Those who hate this righteous will be condemned, and the Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. That almost sounds like something Paul should write, doesn't it? That's Psalm 34. It's talking about the Messiah. That's why when you get to John 19, you see this. The Jews, because it was the day of preparation so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they may be taken away. Remember, the way you died in crucifixion was you suffocated. You eventually got too weak to push up on your legs so that you could breathe. Because as you're hanging, you can't breathe because your rib cage compresses, but it's less painful to hang there. It's very painful with nails through your Achilles tendon to push up on it to take a deep breath. Eventually what happens, you get too worn out to push up anymore. You can't take it and you stop breathing. What's the way you'd hurry this process along? If I can't push up on my legs, I can't take a breath. I just collapse because I'm pulled up and that's the end of it. Such a lovely world, wasn't it? You ever think your world is bad? Just a reminder what God has delivered from. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other man who was crucified with him. But coming to Jesus, when they saw that he was dead already, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out, letting you know that the lungs have filled with blood and he's are the lungs have filled with fluid and he's already dead. He who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may also believe. For these things came to pass to fulfill the scripture. Not a bone of him shall be broken. And again another scripture saying, They shall look on him whom they pierced. Not a bone of him shall be broken. That's Psalm thirty four. It's the reminder of what's to come. This lamb is a picture of Christ. That's why John calls him what when he sees him? What's the kickoff to his ministry? The Lamb of God. See, when John, when John says that, everybody should have immediately said what? Lamb. Passover. The reminder of the redemption of God. The death of the Lamb in the place of my Son. The death of the Savior in the place of me. It's a connection going all the way back to the very moment. No accidents. No mistakes. God operating outside the timeline making sure that these things come to pass so that when Jesus shows up, everybody would go, and here's the beauty of it. They did. The people of God did. That's why they followed. That's why they listened. And that's why when the Spirit came on Pentecost, there's thousands upon thousands coming to the church, the faithful remnant. Never read your New Testament with Elijah's eyes, please. Because <laughs> we get tempted, right? Oh, look at these people. There's Pharisees and Sadducees, and there's nobody walking. It seems like that, but there are, there's a few. <laughs> there's not many, but there's, there's a few. And the upper room proves that, and Pentecost proves that, and the preaching of Paul and John in the temple proves that, and the ministry of Paul 
proves that. That's why when we look at the world and go, God has not forgotten. And just to prove he's not, he's paying attention, 47. Well, 47, 48, 49. All the congregation of Israel are to celebrate this. But if a stranger, stranger sojourns with you and celebrates the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near to celebrate it, and he shall be like a native of the land. But no uncircumcised person may eat of it. The same law shall apply to the native as to the stranger who sojourns amongst you. Got to admit, that, that's, that's a pretty big step, right? I mean, I'm going to follow Israel, all right? Get the flint knife. Why? <laughs> well, there's some things you have to do first. Gotcha. You're thinking, aren't you? Do I really believe this? Why? Because outward symbol of an inward reality. This is why if someone comes up to me, I don't immediately run to the baptismal pool. Because you know what I want to see? I want to see you mean this. I want to see you walk for a little while. Not a long while, but a little while. Because I want to make sure you know what you're doing. That's why somebody doesn't come up on one day, hey, I want to be baptized. Hey, fill the water. Here we go. No. I want to ask a couple of questions. Like, I have some questions. And they should be good ones. Because we should know. Why? Because we're making sure. Because what we're proclaiming is that you're walking with us. You know what I want to make sure before I say you're walking with me? I want to make sure that you're actually walking with me. Same thing here. The mixed multitude wants to follow. The strangers want to come through. That's fine. They can be in as long as they are in. And this also goes to what Jesus was talking about, John 6. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I certainly will not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. See, that's how we'll know. We'll get to the end and go, we made it! <laughs> And how do I know you made it? Because you'll have made it. And in the meantime, I do what? I discipline myself, and I walk faithfully. By the way, Israel does for once, it seems like. Uh, finish this out. Then all the sons of Israel did so. They did, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that same day, the Lord brought the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. Now, here's the beauty of this. Are they done? Like, no, we've, we've already read how they're going to mess this up, like, in 20 minutes, it feels like. <laughs> it feels like it that day. They're not done, but they're out. Christian, again, theme of the morning. This should be a comfort to you. Because we're not done, but we're good. This is why we talk about that, that what the, the brokenness of us is that we have to, the way we have to deal with salvation. You are saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. So you are saved. Christ has died. Your sins put upon him. You are redeemed. But I still have sin. You are being saved. The work that Christ has done covers those sins. For the penalty of those, he has died. You are now walking in a newness of life, recognizing that you have sins. Before Christ, you didn't care. Now you care. So you are walking new. You are putting them to the side. You are encouraging others. You are being discipled. You are making disciples. You are walking. You are being saved. You will be saved. Because when I get to the end, I will be complete in all of that sin. 
all of that degradation will be cast off, and I will deal with it no longer. I will be saved. I will be secure in his kingdom, and it will be good. <laughs> That's, see, there should be joy in this. There should be celebration. If there's not, you know what we've done? <laughs> we've started that drift again. Be renewed. Know the reminders and celebrate them. Because they're good. They give us something. They give us new minds. They rejoice with the spirit that is now in us. And as we walk faithfully, we rejoice, not in us, but in him who has saved us. And then we can walk. And then again, we see the world rightly. My attitude towards them is different. Why? Because I am different. This is how we endure. This is how we stand firm. And the danger is... God clarifies things, doesn't he? He did for Israel. Give him all of this. I mean, why do you think you give him this? What do you think the odds are that some of that mixed multitude went, whoa, you want me to be circumcised? Yeah, I'm good. I'm going back. After seeing all of that, some of them probably turned back. Some of them did that. Saw the plague, saw the Red Sea, saw the manna, were circumcised, partook of the festival, and went, I want a steak. <laughs> with garlic butter and onions and those little rolls from Texas Roadhouse because they're so good. <laughs> I'm tired of this unleavened bread. I want fluffy biscuits. and See, it's, it's messed up, isn't it? They had seen all of that and they still went down that road. God is clarifying. He will reveal the desires of your heart and the thoughts of your mind. And that's good, because those who are not following faithfully will see all that and go, I'm going back, or I'm wandering away. But when you walk faithfully, you go, yeah, I have been saved, and I am being saved. And you know what that means? I now know I will be saved. No matter what befalls me, no matter what they do, no matter how dark they get, this little light of mine. <laughs> and we walk joyfully. We don't walk happy. Still get blisters. Knees are still going to hurt. You know, back's going to go out. But we walk joyfully because God is good and has not forsaken. Let's pray. Again, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the work that you have done and the work that you continue to do, that you have rescued and that you are still rescuing and that as we walk, you are still guiding and you are still upholding us. Lord, strengthen us. Open our hearts that we may see clearly in this world, that we may know where we are walking, that we may know why we are walking, and that, Lord, we will gauge how we are walking. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. Give thanks 
with the grateful heart, give thanks to the Holy One, give thanks, because He gives us Jesus Christ, His Son, and probably should have mentioned earlier was as you get your prayer time this week remember Jonathan has nothing to do with the Packers game but he fell on the ice and actually cracked some ribs so that's why he snuck out because he's laid out to try to take the pressure off him so remember him this week because if you've ever hurt ribs there's not a thing you can do for him and breathing can become entertaining so and don't do like ginger and forget and smack him in the side (laughs) she didn't forget she she didn't forget no, she, you could tell by the look on her face that when she, because she didn't know, and as soon as she found out, she was, I mean, Ginger felt terrible, so, but, but it, I laughed a little bit, I will admit, I, I did a little bit, I felt bad, but I still laughed a little bit, so just remember Jonathan this week, and again, if you noticed anybody was missing, 
just send them a message and just check in on folks. That way we keep up with everybody and know how they're doing, especially in this weather. And if you know anybody that needs help with the snow coming this week, call me. We'll get a group together and we'll get you dug out of your house if we need to. Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> I won't name any names. <laughs> but if you need a hand, let us know and we'll see what we can get done. All right? Let's pray. Again, Lord, as we leave this place, guide us and protect us till we meet again, that we would be grounded, walking faithfully in your world, knowing that it is still your world, and that as we walk, we are walking faithfully towards your kingdom. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.